Welcome to the Talking Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Will Cheshire. And in this podcast, I speak with impact-driven founders and share their real-time stories about how their solution has a positive impact on society. This is a show for founders, investors, and all individuals looking for some positivity and optimism as you hear from people working hard to help better our society and our planet. You can expect to learn about some awesome new products and services in this show that will bring you more hope in our quest to solve some of society's biggest issues. Let's dive in to this week's episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. In this episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast, I'm sitting down with serial entrepreneur and investor Melinda Moore, who's an advisor to Coyote Ventures, a venture capital fund investing in early stage startups that are innovating women's health and wellness. Melinda is also a general partner at Moore Ventures and the CEO of M2 Consulting. We're talking about women's health specifically in this episode and the importance and innovation surrounding women's health, something that's been brought more to light after the recent Supreme Court decision of Roe vs. Wade. I was excited to sit down with Melinda because I feel her solution in supporting startups in the women's health space is an area of social entrepreneurship that does not get enough attention. And Melinda shares her wisdom and knowledge about the industry and also shares tips for founders on how to get investment and scale their companies in the early stages. So let's dive in to this week's episode of the Talking Solutions podcast. Melinda, thank you so much for hopping on to join me here on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Will. I'm really excited to be on this podcast and to to talk about the work and impact and how we can do more. Yeah, Melinda, you got your toes dipped in a lot of different impact ventures, whether it be sustainability, whether it be uh, women's health as well. And so there's a whole lot that you do that creates positive impact in the world through entrepreneurship and business. And and I'd love for you to just explain to the listeners quickly uh, your background about, you know, kind of your journey and where you've come and and everything that you're kind of doing right now to to drive this type of impact and create positive solutions. Thank you. Well, I think, you know, in life, it's smart to have a strong, noble purpose, something that's going to get you excited to wake up every single morning. And so my noble purpose is to make a positive impact on the planet. And I think that we're, you know, humans are super linked to the planet. The planet doesn't really need us, but we need the planet. So I'm kind of looking at like how we can, in general, create a a healthier planet, but doing that through business, which means creating profitable companies kind of that double bottom line, good for the planet, but also very smart business. Um, My background has been a serial entrepreneur. So I've had a few exits. I sold Loving Eco. I took iConsumer Public through a mini IPO. Um, I also sold STV Communications to Sonic Foundry and advised Love Goodly, and we sold that to Novica. So as an operator and having raised money and take things all the way to either IPO or some sort of exit, it's given me um, tremendous experience. And I'm applying that experience now towards investing in other companies and helping them scale. And so that's with my work at Coyote Ventures, which is focused on women's health, which is a trillion dollar opportunity but what we saw in the market was there's well over a thousand startups in health and wellness, but there's literally less than 10 VCs that are actually serving that industry. So we feel that there's a great opportunity there. 
Absolutely. And Melinda, one of the things that drew me to you and, and made me want to reach out and have a conversation with you is the fact that you are kind of in this space of impact, whether it's through sustainability, where we could have a whole separate conversation about your sustainability ventures and what you're doing there. And obviously today we're going to talk a lot about the women's health space and, yes. and what you're doing with M2 Consulting as well. But that's what really kind of drew me because you, you seem to just be impacting in, in many different channels and areas. And one of the things that stood out is, in, to me is on that last point you said, when you talk about these women health companies. You know, I have a, a client that I work for, a startup in the women's health space, and uh, and I work with them and they're doing fantastic work. But, you know, you look at the ventures and, you know, I do a lot of research. And so I'm always looking at kind of these VCs and these funds. And you were the first one that kind of came across. I was like, oh, women's health or health and wellness in general. This is really interesting. So that really kind of drew me to you as well. So just explain to me why you think that that is, because I, I, to me, it should be a no-brainer. Health and wellness is one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves as, as humans. I mean, without our health, we're, we're, we're quite literally nothing. So uh, just kind of give me your thoughts a little bit on, on maybe why there hasn't been as much maybe investment or focus in, on terms of the fund side uh, on the, the health and wellness kind of startups. It's a, an interesting scenario. So I think when you're talking about women's health, people typically invest in what they know and what personally impacts them. And when you look at the larger venture space, 98% of money flows to male founders. Only 2% goes to women and less than 1% goes to minorities. So we have an incredible situation where there's great inequality. So I think quite frankly, that is, when you look at the data, that's probably why you know, more money isn't going into sexual health and wellness, menopause, uh, early detection of breast cancer, endometriosis, uh, UTIs. Um, and then when you look at it even more, 40% of the money in, in health went to fertility. But there's so many other areas of opportunity that we think at Coyote Ventures that we're very excited to um invest in and help grow. Um, on some positive news this week, Serena Williams just said that she's evolving, not retiring, which I love. And Serena Williams has a fund of over a hundred million and she is making investments in health and wellness. And in fact, in a company called Wiley, which is focused on menopause and products for women over 40, Coyote Ventures invested in Wiley, and then Serena Williams and her fund came in with a million dollars. So I do think it's phenomenal to see some of these high-powered women like Serena and others, Reese Witherspoon, Gwyneth Paltrow, others coming in who have capital and they're putting it behind women. And I think we're good when you see women supporting women and women supporting female-founded companies and they're successful, then you'll see the cycle of more money going in. But that is going to take some time. And we have huge inequality right now. Yeah, that's a great point about Serena Williams. I read that article as well. I wasn't aware she even had that fund. And then I saw that and I was like, oh, that's so cool. And, you know, the term evolving, right? I mean, I definitely think Serena Williams is the type of athlete where her biggest impact may not be on the tennis court. You know, it might be much more in her retirement years as well and in, in, in the type of impact that she can make there as such, like you said, a high profile figure, one of the most famous athletes on the planet, uh, arguably the most dominant athlete uh, in her sport in the history. So, Correct. And she just announced today, I saw an investment in women's health around um, 
fitness because there's a historical so many um, of top athletes, whether they're gymnasts, tennis players, what have you, they do struggle because of so much pressure with with mental issues. And so she just announced that this morning. That's fantastic. That's amazing. And for those listening, obviously, that's going to be great news going forward in that space, in the mental health space. We saw that in the Olympics as well with the, the gymnasts and things of that nature and how important that is going forward on that front. But, you know, Melinda, in talking about that as well, you've, you've talked about the challenges from a financial perspective, from a representation perspective uh, that women and minorities get as well on that front. Um, I would say that when it comes to the women's health space as well, another challenge that kind of popped up, unfortunately, and uh, that that goes on, and no matter what side of the coin that you're on, is the Roe versus Wade thing. You know that happened. Obviously, that made huge headline news, as it rightfully should, and things of that nature as well. So I'm curious to see what you think that that type, where that impact will have, or what type of impact that will have in the women's health space as well uh, on that front too, and especially when you talk more about reproduction and, and rights and and general uh, kind of sexual wellness on that front. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's, I don't want to get into politics, but I think, you know, people have their own, um, feelings and opinions around, uh, you know, Roe versus Wade and pro-life and all of that. But I would say that I think it's very important for people to have access to abortions, um, because sometimes it's, critically, um, important for the, for the women's health, right. In terms of it's a, a topic preg- pregnancy or if somebody was raped, um, uh, sadly, and this is, you know, a 10 year old was raped in Indiana and then they had to like try to figure out how do you take her across the border? Um, and then very recently this week, um, Facebook revealed chats of a mother and daughter because the daughter was pregnant really young and everything. And, and now that's actually, um, she, it's a felony. So she's being indicted for a felony for getting accidentally getting pregnant. And I think that moment in history where the Supreme court said, you know, pretty much under no circumstances or whether you're raped, whether it's, literally sacrificing the health of a woman through an atopic pregnancy where basically both the baby and the mother can die. I feel that it's important again for the health of the mom that to be able to have access to options, um, abortion pills, all of that. So, um, coyote is going to, you know, we're looking to make investments both with, um, women abortion pills were actually looking at a, a, a male birth control type of solution. Um, and I just think it's important because it is linked to overall health and, and there are going to be sadly, you know, many women that will end up dying. So that's why it's an important issue. And I was really proud that in Kansas, the people voted, um, to support basically, you know, the health of, of women. And when people are raped that you can get an abortion. So I think what it did for me when I saw that is said, I've got to really stand up and get behind women's health. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's something that obviously you all are doing and, and you're doing it independently as well, separately from that too. And, and, and all that fun stuff, or I shouldn't say fun stuff, but all that good stuff, uh, <laughs> natural, yeah, important stuff, you know, the natural human language when you get all, when you do this podcast hosting so much, you get into that flow and sometimes the words still come out in the right way, but fortunately understand what I'm saying. So um, one of those things too, where I think going forward on that front with the the results of this news and what that will mean for the, the you know, specifically what you're looking at for startups going forward, there's, I think, a, a much more of an importance on it now going forward. And, and within that, we talked a little bit about the financial struggles that women face, that minorities face when they get less funding. Uh, that's a great point and a great reason why that there probably isn't any, because if they all majority are male, this is not a problem that males are going to think about on a regular basis is women's I health. I think males want to talk about like menopause, yeah. menstruation in a, yeah. in, a, in a board meeting, and it, it just, it makes them uncomfortable probably. If they have daughters and things like that, and they understand that it's really big business, then they'll they'll jump on board and get behind more companies. Right, exactly as it should be to get behind something that's a great solution for society that positively impacts people. And fifty percent of the women, damn near, are or fifty percent of the people in the world, damn near, are women. So you know, it's one of those things that you have to focus, even if it makes you uncomfortable. And, and I do think society is going in the right direction in terms of kind of uh, stripping down that taboo, if you will, and, and making it much more open conversation on that front. But I also want to ask you in general too about you know how you can come in and and what type of solutions you provide because it's no no secret that founders struggle and they struggle at any level, but specifically at that early stage level where they come in and they're trying to do everything at once and they're overwhelmed and they're questioning whether or not they should even be doing this anymore because at the time and it's so much diff- it's so much more difficult. So I- I'd love to kind of dive into the solutions a little bit now and-, and talk a little bit about how M2 for one in-, in-, in the future, what you got going on there and then how Coyote Ventures as well steps in and helps these early stage founders uh, grow and be able to provide that great positive impact impact that they're doing in the promotion of women's health and helping to eliminate that stigma and and making sure that women have access and have an opportunity to improve themselves from a medical perspective. Let's take a quick time out in this episode and talk about my book recommendation for this week, which is Smart People Should Build Things, How to Restore Our Culture of Achievement, Build a Path for Entrepreneurs, and Create New Jobs in America by Andrew Yang, the founder of Venture for America. And he also was a presidential candidate at one point as well. And in this book, he talks about a problem that not many people are talking about, and that's that our most talented and educated young people in the U.S. today aren't building things. They're simply going into the job market and getting jobs, and they're not taking the risk of entrepreneurship to potentially provide solutions and education education, energy, or transportation, for example. And he talks about in Detroit, New Orleans, and Baltimore, specifically how there are promising startups and growth companies that are kind of representing that next generation of job creation. And that has to do with his Venture for America uh, organization that he does to place entrepreneurs and people within startups so that they can get in that innovative spirit. And so what he talks about a lot of it in, in Andrew Yang, obviously a guy who studied and went to Brown and became a lawyer before becoming an entrepreneur, talks about how there are too many uh, highly educated individuals in the U.S. today that are not taking the risk of entrepreneurship and they're becoming financial analysts or lawyers and that we should have more people innovating and creating solutions to problems. So it's a really interesting read on that front. And he talks about and links it to the education system 
and how that is broken and that doesn't spur innovation or the entrepreneurial mindset. And instead, we're just spurning out people that want to go in and get jobs, which of course, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it's a really interesting read just about entrepreneurship, specifically social entrepreneurship, about solving problems and addressing our economy and creating more jobs. And it's something that he emphasizes with technology and the takeover that we need to get companies to create more jobs and things of that nature to prepare for the future. So it's a really intriguing read just about how students in the Ivy League and things of that nature as well, whether it's Brown, Yale, Harvard, whatever, are focusing more on getting a job instead of becoming founders themselves. And so it's an interesting, interesting read about how we should get back to that entrepreneurial spirit. So I highly recommend everybody to check it out if you are looking for the next good book to read. So let's dive back into this episode with Melinda Moore here on the Talking Solutions podcast. So on the first front, so with Coyote Ventures, right now it's our first fund. So we're writing um, early stage checks in the amount of roughly $100,000. So that's what we're doing to actually, you know, help founders in the um, health and wellness space. And then um, a, a larger solution as well is I'm launching, I have M2 Consulting, which basically helps startups scale with clarity and confidence. And so there's kind of three areas that we service. It's um, that financial area, so like outsourced CFO, um, financial planning, fundraising, because you really have to have a super solid understanding and have um, money in place in order to, uh, you know, launch your idea and have your company. And then obviously marketing, um, performance marketing, growth marketing, content, all of that around being able to help support the scalability of a company and then strategic planning and, and helping with partnerships and, and that type of thing. So M2, which the website is m2consulting.biz, is basically going to help founders scale their companies. And I put together a network of over 30 partners that are working with me. And so that's really exciting to be able to come in and directly help people. Oh, it's beyond exciting. Over 30 partners. That's fantastic. What were kind of some of the the feedback you got when you uh, told these partners about, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. This is something what we're thinking about creating and, and the type of feedback that you kind of got from them. Well, I think everybody was really excited because most of the people that I've selected are absolutely top of their field. So they came from CAA and, you know, Deutsch and Shiat and all of these different agencies. And they were CFOs of Durham Store and Goop and all of that. And so when you bring together just those A-level players, a lot of them now with remote working and everything, they'd rather um, not necessarily be at a big company, but a smaller company. And there's a lot of satisfaction when you can really help early stage founders be successful. And so I think everybody's excited just because we are in an era of more remote working. And if you're really good at what you do, then you get to decide what clients that you get to work with, what projects, what type of companies. And so there's a lot more freedom there. Um, so I think that this is definitely the the future of the workforce. Yeah. I mean, a great point there with the remote and, and the opportunity to really just kind of go anywhere. You know, I think you're, you're primarily focused in the U.S. Uh, to start though, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the same type thing is you could expand almost anywhere you want, which I think is interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I guess 
something that really came out of COVID that I don't know many people expected. I think it really just brought forward the process of remote work and, and things of that nature as well. But Melinda, I'd be curious to hear more about uh, the key traits that you look for in startup founders, right? Like what are the things that you think drive success for a startup and, and particularly that founder and that CEO and the, and the people that are in the leadership positions on that front? Absolutely. Great question. Because it's early stage, I'm definitely looking at the founder or founders and deciding, you know, am I going to bet on this horse? Is this horse going to win, basically? And so it really goes down to having tremendous grit and hustle. I look for people that I think are never going to give up because being in the startup, it's like a roller coaster. You have high highs and low lows. I look for founders that have identified very unique white space opportunity in a large um, market where that I think that, you know, it is something that could be, you know, I don't love the the word unicorn, but a unicorn where um, they have the right product market fit, um, consume the right consumer insights and all of those things. I, you know, you, you get to know somebody over time as you're doing the due diligence and you meet with them to kind of determine if you think they're going to win. And most people have to pivot at some point. So also um, comfortability with pivoting and, 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 and I look for diverse teams too, because they tend to perform better um, through pivots and they tend to be um, run companies with greater capital efficiency. Yeah. When you talk about diversification and anything, right, you can kind of get that mindset from different di- people and different backgrounds and things of that nature. And it can really make some uh, some solutions move forward that you probably wouldn't have thought of if you were just one group of all the same background, all the same thought processes and and things of that nature um, as well. So uh, I want to ask you too, on that front to kind of go back to that, that women's health thing as well. Why women's health? And we've kind of talked about that already, but why specifically jump into that? And then also sustainability as well, because I know sustainability is a big part of your, your vision and, and your, uh, mindset as well. And something you touched on earlier as well. So for you in your story and a little bit, and what was it that just kind of made it? So these two are going to be the most important things that I feel like we should be looking at moving forward and the founders that I want to work with. So, I mean, I'm a woman and I'm not 25 anymore. So for me, I'm recognizing how important health is. I work very long hours. It's super intense. I've been a founder and I feel like you you're constantly running a marathon. So for me, optimizing my health enables me to follow my noble purpose, which is making an impact on the planet. So it's quite simple in that regard. When I did see rights being taken away from women, it was even more of a motivator to get involved, specifically with Coyote. Um, With more ventures, where I'm the general partner, I've been investing in the low carbon economy. So around regenerative farming, uh, green building, alternative energy. And I think these things, I mean, as we're watching the news every morning, you wake up and it's like massive flooding in Kentucky took out Yellowstone, Bangladesh, you know, 104 heat in India with no air conditioning and infrastructure. And like, sadly, young um, children dying from just excessive heat. I mean, we even had in the United States, I think a couple thousand people died 
already this summer just from heat because they don't have the infrastructure of, um, of air conditioning and things like that. So, um, I think it's imperative and there's so much opportunity to basically rebuild the infrastructure in the United States. I'm focused on the United States. So in the United States, um, because you have to have clean air, you need to have food, water, um, and, um, the, the planet is heating up. So it's going to be even greater threats to humanity. Absolutely. And it's going to affect people from all types, all over the world, all backgrounds, all things of that nature. It's a human issue. It's a human crisis. It's not just a, a you know, a, a nation crisis or anything like that. And we're one of the most ones responsible here in the U.S. So 100% good to put our resources here um, in the U.S. to ensure that. You're right. If you think about it, there will probably be in the next 10 to 20 years, hundreds of millions of climate immigrants. When you can't live in Bangladesh and you can't live in Jakarta because of massive flooding all the time, you're talking about moving 30, 40 million people from each of these cities. And so that's a, um, a huge, I, I don't know how you, I, I literally don't know how you move 40, 40 million people. That's three times the size of Los Angeles where I live. And I couldn't even imagine how to move 10 million plus, you know, and just say you, you can't live here. This is not, this is no longer a safe place to live. Unprecedented. It's going to be a huge challenge. And it's why it's great that you're, you and your team and, and are putting forth those efforts to, to help trying to solve these issues and, and get it going forward on that front, because it's something that we need to be paying attention to. And, yeah. and, it, and also in the women's health space as well. Right. I mean, if we have an opportunity to invest in solutions that are going to help uh, women, you know, particularly as, as we age uh, going forward, then that's something that we need to focus on as well. Cause I mentioned earlier without our health, you know, where there's, yeah. there's quite literally nothing, you know, yeah, so it's really important. Well. Right. You can't yeah, no. get up in the morning. You can't function. So, you know, health is it's health of the planet and health of yourself. And they're linked. Right. There's regenerative farming. We're not putting herbicides, pesticides. Then that means it doesn't go into, you know, the soil. Then you're eating the food and you have a higher propensity to get different types of cancer because of all of the, the chemicals. So um, same thing with makeup. Um on average, women, if they're not conscious and they're not using natural products that are actually clean products, not because natural is a marketing word, but they're putting over 600 different chemicals into your body every single day through lipstick, concealer, mascara, shampoo, cream, all of that. We don't really think about that. And, and we need to think about that and we need to be really wise about everything all the products that we create and everything that we're doing as, 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 um, creators of, of business. Yeah. I mean, we're in a, we're in an age where we have more information than we've ever had as human beings. The, the amount of information that we have is overwhelming and it's easy to look at it and get, you know, pessimistic. Like, oh my goodness, look at all the things we've been doing wrong, you know, but that's another reason why I wanted to have you on the show because you're solving, you're working on it. You're trying to make a solution. One, I say one day at a time, one deal at a time, right? I mean, that's just, it, 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 it does make me happy to be part of the solution, but I feel that it's still, and I love seeing when like Serena, who's just so powerful gets in, but we, we truly need billions and billions, if not trillions of dollars put towards these um, huge business opportunities 
instead of relying on, you know, the part of the reason I think it's so slow is there's so much money in, in fossil fuels. There's so much money in not bringing electric cars onto um, the highway. And so it's hard because the people that have billions of dollars are protecting outdated industries. Yeah, it's a cycle. And you could even think of it trickling down like that to people whose jobs are dependent on those industries, right? And those are everyday people. And and it's, yeah, it's just tough. It's a a tough situation to get in. And it's not going to be a a snap of your finger solution. Uh, I wish it was. But unfortunately, that's just not realistic. So I want to go back a little bit. And and before we kind of dive in into how startup founders can work with you and things of that nature as well, is I want to talk a little bit about um, the individual sectors that maybe you might be focusing on or isolating on within kind of women's health. Obviously, women's health is incredibly broad. So, uh, you know, we could we could talk, like you said, about uh, companies that are creating clean products and, and enabling that so that's not messing with our uh, DNA and things of that nature. I don't know if DNA is the right word. Don't quote me on that one. Yeah, um, it's but not messing with um, like your body's chemistry, right? There we go. Your there we biome, go. you know, your, uh, I can impact, uh, you know, you're, you're made up of cells, right? And so you want healthy cells to replicate. You don't want cells that have, um, you know, uh, cancer to replicate, for instance, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That that's a much better way of putting it. Thank you so much, no, Wanda. Of course. Uh, <laughs> um, but the area. yeah, to finish, yeah, the area of expertise, yeah. which is why I'm going to ask you, uh, yeah, with within the industry itself, like what are some sectors that maybe within women's health that you feel deserve a, a big look at and, and some big importance? Exactly. So we're definitely looking at um, menopause and products for women over forty because there are so many products for women over forty, but it's completely underserved. We're looking and we're, we just invested in MOD, which is around sexual health and sexual wellness. That's kind of taboo, but it's important. Um, and then we're looking, obviously, we invested in Gabby, which is an early detection breast cancer company. Um, we're looking at endometriosis. Um, we're also looking at um, just mental wellness in general. I think that the more um, you're seeing more people be able to do simple tests at home, whether it's a hormone test or a peptide test or checking your blood sugar levels, all of these things, there's now going to be kind of B2C products. And so we're looking at, you know, all of these areas, we are looking at fertility, but I do think 40% of the money that's, there's, there's money being thrown at fertility already, but those are some of the areas that we're looking at within women's health and wellness. How big of a role do you think education plays into this as well? Because to me, that seems to be maybe a little bit of an underlying topic that you've talked about a little bit here is number one, things are taboo. You have people like myself. I mean, I'm, I will admit it. It makes me a little uncomfortable when, when you know, women talk about that type of stuff because it's something I don't know. It's foreign. It's, it's, it's a, you know, and it's, you know, it's just the product of, of my environment. And obviously I'm working to change that. So I'm not that uncomfortable with it. And I think a big thing for me has been more exposure to education and learning about these things. You know, like I said, I have a client who's in the women's health space as well. And I look at all their blog articles and stuff and I'm like, whoa, I 
this never occurred to me before, you know, you know, girlfriends, you know, mention it and stuff like that. How much do you think education will play a role in kind of helping strip that taboo a little bit and, and making men less more comfortable with it and making society more comfortable with it so that we do have some boardrooms with men and women and men openly talking about menopause and, and how and stuff like that so that there is those billions of dollars and more money is kind of coming in into that. Right. Yeah. Are we going to be able to say vagina in the boardroom? Exactly. Be around, you know, a legit, you know, business, right? And and solving a real problem. Um, I definitely think education is huge. I've always believed uh, when it comes to the environment, when it comes to people's health, education and having good, trusted sources of information is absolutely critical. And science is important, and data is important, and being able to distribute new findings in science. Because I think as we're advancing, you know, we're learning new things about peptides. We've learned new things about gut health and the microbiome and the the mitochondria. And there's all these amazing things that that you can help optimize your health if you know about them, right? And so it's also storytelling. It's through social media. Um, a girlfriend of mine, Ara Katz, runs the company Seed, and it's S-E-E-D, and she does tons of education through the social feeds in regards to um, the microbiome and prebiotics and probiotics and just gut health. Um, you see um, Gwyneth Paltrow with Goop, you know, talking about, um, you know, sexual wellness and sexual health and all of these things. And, and, and even push, I guess, by the Kardashians. So I don't mean to mean all these celebrities, but the thing is, is that they do have influence. They have distribution. They're starting to share this with like people on TikTok or Instagram. And so it's starting to become a little bit more comfortable and not as taboo when you can talk about all of these things and you're sharing this through storytelling and products and, 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 um, education. Yeah. Uh, one benefit of having a, you know, social media, social media is really a tool that's used in a lot of bad ways, but also used in a lot of great ways as well uh, for education and stuff like that. So I'd be curious to hear as well, Melinda, you know, when you're investing in these companies and, and what you envision and what you hope to accomplish with these women's health, how do you hope it, how do you hope the market and, and what that looks like in the coming decades? Let's take a quick time out to go over some great women's health tech startups right now. Some that you need to hear about and you need to research and learn more about as well. So the first one that I want to highlight is Maven Clinic, which is an on-demand virtual clinic that's focused on women's health services. They raised $92 million in BC funding last year. That includes investments from the likes of Reese Witherspoon and Natalie Portman. Kind Body serves as a one-stop shop of family building options that includes things like egg freezing, and they have over 300 in-person clinics all over the country, and that includes a total of $125 million in funding from investors after they closed their Series C round. Alara Health is a virtual care platform for women in terms of their health, and what they do is do a fantastic job by helping their patients create solutions out there that aren't being met by traditional healthcare services. And so they raised a seed round of more than two and a half 
$1.5 million led by Global Founders Capital. Tia, which launched in 2017, aims to provide a mix of virtual and in-person health options to women. They raised over $24 million in its Series A funding as well. LV is a leading creator of femtech products, including a smart breast pump and a virtual pelvic floor trainer as well. And they raised more than $44 million in a Series B funding round that was back in 2019. They have offices both in the UK and New York City. And then I also want to talk about Cheeky Bonsai as well, a brand new one. They have their products in Target where they have uh, solutions for urinary tract infections. And so this is a fantastic way to improve your urinary tract health. They also do a great job in the women's education uh, sector where they do a lot of great content in their blog called The Cheeky, which is also a very interesting read to get a lot of great information surrounding women's health on that front, specifically around vaginal health. So those are some great options for you to take a look at and to investigate these startups that are doing great things in the women's health tech space on that front. So let's dive back into this episode with Melinda Moore here on the Talking Solutions podcast. Like uh, Jessica, who's the general partner at Coyote, we're like, okay, this is a $10 million fund. The next fund, we want to do a $50, $100 million fund. You know, we want to have billion dollar exits in this trillion dollar industry. And that's what we want to do. We want to have a huge impact. So 10 million is a great place to start, but real, real, you know, you're going to have a much greater impact when you're in a fund that has a hundred million and then a fund that has a billion because that's when you can impact more companies and have a greater impact. So it's, it's pretty simple. It's a math equation and we need more money. Money, money, money makes the world flows. And that's another important part of your investing and the, the tools that you're empowering people with. Women, but I mean, we need money and we're going to make money with money and then distribute it in the right ways to help people. Exactly. To help people. And, and that's really what it goes about. And that's what I was going to say is that your services and what you can accomplish, whether that's through Coyote Ventures or whether that's through uh, more, or whether that's through M2, is, is you're equipping these founders with the, the information, uh, the tools needed to kind of make this impact and, and to give them an opportunity to scale so that they have these great ideas and these great ideas and these solutions can be put forward to, to make a difference, um, which I think is great, which kind of leads me into uh, my next question with that as well is if they are a founder, if there is a founder listening right now that that's in women's health or sustainability in that uh, department in that range, what can they do to potentially if they want to work with you or, or want to learn more about you? What are some ways that they can get uh, connect with you or, or the fund? Probably. So the easiest way is my name. So my email is Melinda at Melinda Moore dot com. So feel free to email. Just be patient because I do get a lot of emails. Um, and then also on LinkedIn, I am active on LinkedIn and my name's Melinda Moore and it shows Coyote and Moore Ventures and M2. So um, email and LinkedIn are the absolute best ways to get my attention. And so that's whether you want to share a deal that's early stage climate or women's health, or you need help scaling a company um, fundraising, finance, marketing, strat planning, all of those things, please reach out to me. It's basically a trifecta, right? I've got more ventures, Coyote and M2, and it's a trifecta for change. And it's an ecosystem that I've created to support entrepreneurs so they can bring their, their, um, dreams to life and, and scale their companies with, you know, 
clarity, confidence, and capital efficiency. So that, I mean, I love, I love when Serena said, she's like, you got to play to win. Got to play to win. You play to win the game. Yep, exactly. And that's exactly what you what you're doing in the world of business, right? You're 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 playing and you're trying to win and you're trying to beat out your competition to deliver that that solution that you feel is going to have the most impact in whatever it is that you're doing on that front. Melinda, you mentioned so many different avenues where you got all of these startup founders bases covered and things of that nature as well, but I'd be curious to hear like which one of the 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 services do you find that startup founders, particularly in that space, generally need the most um help with in terms of the challenge because as I mentioned before, you know, they're doing everything they're trying to do everything, whether that's their finance department, their marketing department, their sales department, their techn- technology department. I mean, everything that they're working on is kind of usually on their own. So where do you kind of come in and, and you think the biggest emphasis should be put at depending on the company? So there's kind of two areas. There's one area which is really around um, finance and fundraising. It's always a challenge to do that because you just have to hustle and you have to network and you have to be pitching your company to the right type of investors so that you're not wasting their time or your time. And that takes tremendous effort and a lot of research. So I can help distill that down because of the network that I've had for over 20 years. Um, and then the second is when you do have some money and you have product market fit, are you make how do you make sure that you're scaling the company with capital efficiency through marketing and that's really performance marketing which is critical because that's around getting customers making sure you have the right messaging the campaign building lookalike audiences and having numbers and metrics that look so good that when you go to get a series A or a series B or a series C you have people fighting to get into the round because all of the numbers and all of the data speak to how well you're doing. And that's ultimately where founders want to be. And so M2 Consulting facilitates with that just because our team and our network has so much experience. I mean, decades and decades of experience of success from taking startups and scaling them. Yeah. uh, And that's the most important part that people need and look for is that experience to come in. Because as you said, in order to get that experience yourself and that networking just requires so much effort, so much time. That's where it really struggles when you're already doing 600 million things at the same time, trying to scale your product, scale your business, and and you're working your tail off to do so. So I think that's really important. Melinda, is is there anything else that you'd like to touch on that that maybe we missed throughout this uh, episode that you feel is important to share with the audience? Uh, Sure. I mean, I think Um, First of all, entrepreneurship is not an easy path. So just recognizing that making sure that you do have a strong, noble purpose, that you have team, that you have support around you so that you have the highest chance for success. And I'd also say, you know, not everybody needs to be venture backed. I wrote the book, How to Raise Money, The Ultimate Guide to Crowdfunding, which is on Amazon. But I think that... Smart founders will look at all the different ways in which you can raise capital. And that's important, whether it's rewards-based, um, crowdfunding, equity-based, venture capital, working capital, getting money from angels, all of those types of things. You have to pursue all different avenues in order to ch- achieve success. And again, like I'm available at Melinda at Melindamore.com. So please feel free to reach out to me. 
um, so that we can have a conversation and I can learn more so I can potentially help you. Yeah, it's a separate conversation and a separate episode we could probably have on is uh, just all about crowdfunding and, and that investment principles and in in how to get that investment and get that finance that's ever so needed on that front as well. So something that we might have to uh, readdress in the future here, Melinda. Yeah, no, crowdfunding is, a, you know, it's a, it's a big, big business and it's how so many different companies have been successful. So ha- happy, happy to have a separate conversation on just like the best ways to raise money, wh- however I can help. But it's been such a pleasure, Will. You're, you're amazing to do this and share this information and, and talk to so many people and just get it out there. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. I appreciate it. Hope it's not the last conversation we have. Hopefully we can do something else uh, in the future in some sort of uh, collaboration, whether it's another episode or maybe we go onto the social media platforms or do something there. Who knows? We can do something live and, and take questions or something. Yeah. Now you're really putting the pressure on Yeah. Me. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. So Melinda, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. As always, we're going to make sure that people have access to all of those links that you talked about. We're going to be able to put that up for you within our show notes and of course across our social media platforms as well and then on the newly released website that will be available for you too. But just a reminder that if you do want to reach out and you're hearing this and you're like, Will, I don't want to wait for that, uh, Melinda at MelindaMoore.com. That's Melinda, M-E-L-I-N-D-A at, again, MelindaMoore.com. Dot com. You can get some more information via email there, and you can also find her on LinkedIn to connect with as well. So Melinda, thank you so much for coming on the show. I very much enjoyed your expertise and your knowledge uh, during this conversation. Thank you. Onward and upward. Onward and upward as we go. is That is Melinda Moore. She's a serial entrepreneur and investor. She's an advisor to Coyote Ventures, which is a women's health fund and firm and then general partner at Moore Ventures. And then the CEO, of course, at M2 Consulting, joining us here on the Talking Solutions podcast as we talk about women's health, sustainability, and the importance of funding in that realm as well as we move forward to make a more impact in the future in the world that we live in today. So it's going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. As always, as mentioned before, uh, everything will be available in the show notes. And I look forward to having a conversation with you on the next episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions Podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode and check out all of our guests on our website at cheshtech.com. That's C-H-E-S-H-T-E-C-H.com to learn more as we continue our mission of supporting impact-driven founders. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Talking Solutions Podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Talking Solutions. If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate a review and a recommendation to a friend as we focus on highlighting these great founders and individuals providing solutions to societal problems and bringing optimism into the world.